0: conspiracy show with richard sarin thanks for inviting me into your home long-haul truck rv camper taxi your parents well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling electric fireplace and the painting of dogs playing poker your loft that greasy spoon just off the interstate in your cabin in the woods welcome to the program carlos kagina is the technical producer ryan white is our live stream producer. We are live streaming on YouTube tonight. The channel is called Strange Planet. And just um, a heads up that we are slowly moving things over to a different platform for obvious reasons. We are now officially on Rumble. So if you go to rumble.com, and uh, my channel there is called Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Uh, I'm also on Gab, Uh, still on Twitter, but migrating over to Gab. The Jonestown Massacre occurred on November the 18th, 1978, when more than 900 members of an American cult called the People's Temple died in a mass suicide murder under the direction of their leader, Jim Jones. It took place at the so-called Jonestown Settlement in the South American country of Guyana. Jones had founded what became the People's Temple in Indiana in the 1950s, then relocated his congregation to California. In the 1960s, in the 1970s, following negative media attention, the powerful, controlling preacher moved with some 1,000 of his followers to the Guyanese jungle, where he promised they would establish a utopian community. Again, November 18, 1978, U.S. Representative Leo Ryan, who had gone to uh, Jonestown to investigate claims of abuse, was murdered along with four members of his delegation. That same day, Jones ordered his followers to ingest poison-laced punch while armed guards stood by. Prior to the uh, terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001, the uh, tragedy at Jonestown marked the single largest loss of U.S. civilian lives in a non-natural disaster. Now, most of us are at least somewhat aware of uh, these details. But what many of us aren't aware of is that Jim Jones wasn't just some murderous madman in the jungle. He was a political force with tremendous influence inside the Democratic Party machine, specifically in California. And that's what we're going to discuss, uh, at least for the next little while. George Freund is a great friend of the program. He is a fiercely independent investigator, researcher, an award-winning blogger and broadcaster who uh, sits in from time to time on uh, the Power Hour, Power Hour Radio. And uh, his website, where you can read his blog, is conspiracy-cafe.com. George Freund, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend?
1: Well, I'm very perplexed. Because, uh, you know, this topic is hand in glove with what you've just been discussing. I took my oath in 1979, three years before our Constitution, and uh, intelligence studies took up a lot of my time after that. So I'm very familiar with the way things work, far and above more than what you'd ever do as a uniformed police officer or peace officer anywhere. So for me, you know, I've already seen where we're going and I've not taken the Kool-Aid. We woke up last year in either a North Korean prison camp or something equivalent to Jonestown. And we're not in a North Korean prison camp. So I'm prepping up for an interview on Power Hour Nation for Thursday. I'm going to interview the author of the book Cult City, Jim Jones, Harvey Milk, and Ten Days That Shook San Francisco. He didn't give me a copy of the book. He gave me a Glenn Beck interview with him. And the last thing he said on the interview, you know, just really boils your coffee. When you can't visit your family, you're in a cult. You can't visit your family. What are you in? And it isn't Kansas. It's a cult. And when you look at the direct connection between the political power establishment of today, and you look at where it was back in the 70s, the same players, and they are in control. We have to look at... What are they going to do when they get that control? And I can tell you it isn't going to be pretty. As a reporter, I have sources, too. There are some things your previous guests couldn't answer, but my sources have already told me from executive management and the police, and that's why our police chiefs have been so resolute to stand firm, because the next step was they were preparing to unleash the army and the police upon us down the road. There's five steps to this process of this regeneration of the world. Advertising, we had that at the beginning last year. Propaganda. All these certain drugs don't work anymore. You can't use them. It's better to die a martyr and be intubated, but you can't use these drugs. Propaganda. Then we get to the stage we're in now is coercion, where we have to be coerced to go along with the narrative. Why? Because we're in a cult. When you see the little circles painted on the ground, the social distancing, the wearing of masks, the dehumanization. If I was taking you in as prisoners of war or taking you to Guantanamo for a while in a previous war, you would be facing things like that.
0: You're being reprogrammed. I would agree. We are certainly being conditioned. Big
1: time. And the fifth step
0: is euthanasia. I reviewed
1: some work from a Russian intelligence officer, a colonel, it's in Russian, but with great big subtitles for us. It's about 11 minutes long, explains it very well. I put it on my website, and he explains it very, very succinctly on what all this is, the collapse of the financial system. The Great Reset also resets the population, and in his mind, down to a billion, with 100 million being more the controlling group. So that means... A good six billion of us got to get off this rock. And that's part and parcel of what's going on. The great Soviet defector, Yuri Bezmenov, said, when we take over the last step of the communist takeover, and you must remember, Jimmy Jones was a hardcore communist.
0: Right. Not right. a
1: Christian in any way, shape No, or
0: he disavowed Christianity. That's important because people think Jim Jones, they think Christian cult. Not and difficult. then all Christians sort of get lumped in there. He had disavowed it. He was an ardent communist. His plan was not to stay in Guyana until the uh, congressman and his entourage showed up. They were preparing to flee to Russia, to the Soviet Union. And we'll get into that. But I I just I want to talk about because people may be asking, well, why are we talking about Jim Jones and the People's Temple? Something that happened 43, 42 years ago and a little bit. And here we are, the inauguration of, I call it the Kamala Harris administration. Even Joe Biden has called it that numerous times. Is that senility or is that him telling the truth? Uh, I think it's the latter. I think he's a placeholder. Uh, But uh, so why are we talking about Jim Jones on the eve of the uh, swearing in of the Kamala Harris administration? And so we have to go back to California in the 19. 70s, And as I say, people think of Jim Jones as this crazy cult leader in the jungle, but he was a powerful political force in California. So let's spend a little bit of time, if we could, talking about that. Oh, um, I'd love to
1: do that, too. The other thing, uh, you know, one of the protest leaders is someone I know. We were in a movie together, and uh, he was my partner for the scene we did and uh, that was Lamont Daigle. So I just, uh, you know, wish him well, and honor and respect him for standing up for our rights, and not being in Pastor Muller's explanation of how the world goes to hell. For someone who's been there from the very, very beginning, we love you, we respect you, we honor you for what you've done, standing firm in a great storm. This The whole thing is, like, the great things never die. Nazism never died. Communism never dies. And Jonestown, the cult, never dies. It's still alive. The people just fled, removed themselves, went into the shadows. And even though Jimmy Jones could command the president-elect, Jimmy Carter, to produce his wife, Rosalind, to meet him, Carter never mentioned this crisis in his memoirs, even though it was the biggest crisis in his presidency. That tells us something. I caught into this just by one of those Columbo things. You know, my mother liked Columbo. That was one of her favorite shows. And as he Mine
0: too. Left, Mine too.
1: I loved it. You know, And then you find evidence. It taught you how to be a detective. I liked that. And when I took my investigator's course, With some of the greats here in Ontario, Uh, you know, I had a little bit of substance there just to show you what it means. The Guy Paul Moran case was the case of study, and I was the only student to ever say Guy Paul Moran was innocent. I was ridiculed, threatened, and all kinds of stuff. One of my classmates ended up being a federal cabinet minister, another one a chief of police in a large municipality near Toronto, and Mm -hmm. I was vilified because I thought he was innocent. And many years later, they invented DNA testing, and he was precluded from the list of suspects. And last year, they announced the killer, and it wasn't Guy e. Paul Moran, through DNA. So just because you're a loner in a small group, it doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means you're a loner in a small group. You have to deal with facts. Evidence is a compass. It takes you where you want to go. And when I started to hear one of these bizarre facts about this case, it was Diane Feinstein, the lady who's really big on gun control in the United States had a concealed carry permit once. Why well, I, I spit up my coffee, I choked, and I go, what? And then I really started to look into one of the great assassinations that's never really talked about too much, and that is the murder of Mayor Moscone of San Francisco and Harvey Milk, one of the supervisors.
0: Right, county board supervisor, the first um, openly gay man to be elected, uh, I think, to any position in the United States. Harvey was Milk, the so there. right, absolutely. So yes, so George Moscone and Harvey Milk uh, were both shot dead in San Francisco, uh, and um, that was in 1978, after the Jonestown.
1: Correct. Massacre. That was November 27, 1978. I was watching a news report from way back then to just say that the cult had sent out death squads to get rid of people that were threatening to them or dangerous, you know, dead men tell no tales. And Mayor Muscone was very much, everybody was in with this cult because they did everything on a micro scale. What we are about to see unfold Wednesday, whether or not the inauguration is peaceful or not, is he could bring busloads of people to vote and win in a precinct, because you just go from one to the other to the other. He could have street thugs available, Nation of Islam. We call them Black Lives Matter today, so he could overturn anything. He was the master of his dominion, and what limited his dominion is difficult to say.
0: Right, so we we should point out that in the mid-70s, uh, Jim Jones had moved his People's Temple to San Francisco. They were headquartered there. They started in Indiana, moved to California, and and somehow, because he was such a charismatic uh, individual, he managed to uh, influence uh, Mayor Moscone, Harvey Milk. As you say, he was able to get out the vote for these individuals. He was then, I think, named to the San Francisco um, Board of Supervisors. The uh, became like the Human Rights Commissioner, if you can he was believe Housing that. And housing, right, housing, that's it, housing commissioner. And uh, uh, so, And carry on, you were talking.
1: Mayor Moscone, the women of the cult, to enjoy here and there. And uh, he knew how to grease the palms of politicians to make sure funds are flowing and finances are flowing at many, many levels. Jerry Brown, the governor, was a devotee. Willie Brown, a future mayor of San Francisco, speaker of the California legislature, was a devotee. And as you said in the intro, a very dangerous liaison was Camilla Harris was his mistress.
0: Willie Brown Jr.'s mistress. Yeah, we need to be clear about that. Right.
1: Now we have a very dangerous situation forming where we have this cult taking control trying to Sovietize or make into a communist world uh, the world, that someone's going to take it over. And Jimmy Jones seemed to be geared for that. And he felt this intrusion with the congressman, Ryan, was just destroying his whole worldview, his whole power structure. So he killed him, wiped them right out, five killed, right at the landing strip, hunted down some of the other ones into the woods. They were lucky to escape with their lives. But what would the cult want to do when you kill the major prophet? They'd want revenge. They'd want some sort of atonement. The cult didn't die, it just went into the woodwork and hid out there. People just adopted a new philosophy, distanced themselves from his name, those words, but the people that he influenced still hold power today. And they're going to get the keys not only to the treasury, but the keys to the armory. They had a nuclear annihilation fantasy as a cult, which wasn't hard to have back in the late 50s, early 60s. So, you know, that's not unusual, but is it to run away from it or to actually kindle the flames? And then in time, one of these initiates will have the launch codes. Nancy Pelosi had a brother-in-law Ron Pelosi he was one of those supervisors back then and Diane Feinstein was there so let's start with her that's what really got me going is she had a gun and her gun was the same make model and caliber as Dan White's
0: there were two Dan White is is the was charged and convicted with the uh, with the double homicide yes and he had uh, he had resigned from the county board of supervisors and yet they were making it sound as if he was angry because he i guess was fired and was seeking out his revenge on mayor Moscone and and harvey milk but in fact he had resigned from from that position which sort of led to some speculation that you know there was more to this story than and this assassination than we're being told
1: big time with the experience we've had at looking at John Kennedy's assassination, Robert Kennedy's assassination, Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination, we see very, very clearly how narratives are created, how evidence is destroyed, and that was another thing that just carried us along. Diane Feinstein turns in her gun to a U.N. weapons control program. It's melted down. Dan White's gun was with the San Francisco Police Department it disappeared. It's like, well, what are the odds? You know, two firearms disappear. There were two types of bullets used, jacketed hollow points and lead. There were two different wound patterns. One of them were non-fatal, and I believe those were the ones that were fired by Dan White, that he entered the office of each of these individuals, open fire at close range, Harvey Melk is supposed to have had his hands up in a defensive manner, and those wounds were non-fatal. They went to the ground. Feinstein's explanation is she was first on the bodies, and she put her fingers in the bullet holes to try to save their lives. Except that contradicts the second wound patterns. Two shots to the head at close range. There was no head. So her story about trying to do something to save their lives makes absolutely no sense, because as soon as you walk in that room, you're just going to see right away they're gone. There's nothing you can do. So what happened? If she was a member in good standing of this cult, which she was, she got an honor plaque donated or given to Jimmy Jones so that he could be honored, like as the uh, god that he thought he was? Was she a devotee who was tasked with eliminating these people? There's a very, very significant thing that happened on the landing strip where Congressman Ryan was assassinated. The guards, or assassins, the armed people from the cult, finished off the wounded, which may have included everyone, with shots to the head. And we have the same thing happening here with these two individuals, that they were finished off with shots to the head in the manner that the People's Temple
0: would do it. Now, uh, George, we're heading into a break here. Let me ask you, now, are these, uh, these uh, this is very obviously a serious allegation, and it is simply an allegation, it is a theory. Uh, is this also a theory shared by Daniel J. Flynn, the author of Cult City, Jim Jones, Harvey Milk, and Ten Days that Shook San Francisco, or is this your own uh, theory?
1: Oh, this is my own. And, uh, you know, it just, there's a lot of things that just don't add up and make sense.
0: We'll get into some of those when we come back. George Freund, independent investigator, award winning blogger, and uh, occasional host of Power Our Nation. My guest as we continue to discuss Jim Jones, the People's Temple, and the Democratic Party Machine. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us take a look around what do you really see this is where you can tell all about it the conspiracy show with richard Sarrett. george freund is with us and uh, we are talking about jim jones the uh, cult leader whose murder spree, of the murder-suicide of over 900 people, American citizens, many of them children in Guyana back in 1978, and the political influence and power that he held in California among state Democrats there. Many at least give him credit for Mayor Moscone's tight victory in the 1975 mayoral runoff. Jim Jones was then appointed head of the San Francisco Housing Authority, which is a pretty powerful position. He was praised as a hero of social justice and a crusader for racial equality and he became an important figure in democratic politics and among his advocates was Harvey Milk, the much celebrated uh, Harvey Milk, the first openly gay man elected to uh, office in the United States. He was elected to the County Board of Supervisors. He was uh, a newcomer to San Francisco. He was formerly uh, a Goldwater Republican. And he became politically radical in California. And uh, he attended services at people's uh, the People's Temple dozens of times. And he wrote letters to Jones. Uh, Such greatness I have found in Jim Jones' People's Temple, Milk proclaimed. And of course, Milk wasn't Jones' only fan. Many powerful people. Governor Jerry Brown, columnist Herb Kane, Vice President Walter Mondale, all sought Jones' blessing and express, uh, expressed admiration for his dedication to racial equality and a better world. And uh, this is all laid out uh, in Daniel J. Flynn's book, Cult City, Jim Jones, Harvey Milk, and Ten Days That Shook San Francisco. And, um, George, you mentioned Jimmy Carter, uh, President Jimmy Carter, and Rosalind Carter. Rosalind Carter was a fan. Um I mentioned Harvey Milk singing the praises of Jim Jones. He actually wrote letters to President Carter defending Jones even after these disturbing reports of abuse emerged from the Jonestown compound in Guyana. But um, Milk was, uh, as Flynn describes in his book, an aggressive municipal officer willing to play hardball. And uh, Jim Jones, this diabolical lunatic Uh, uh, for the ages so we were talking about now Senator Dianne Feinstein at the time she was also a member of the uh, the the board of supervisors in San Francisco after George Moscone's murder the mayor she would become mayor and a, a pretty serious allegation you are you are suggesting she is a suspect she was a she did carry and conceal she was a permit holder despite being um an a, a rabid anti-gun uh person but at the time she she carried a gun and you're saying it was the same um model gun that was Make being carried caliber. by by uh, Dan White the actual or the supposed assailant who was uh, arrested and charged and convicted with their murders again he was a member of the board of supervisors and he had quit and then supposedly got angry because he wanted his job back and he would and they wouldn't give it to him. So this is supposedly the motive. Uh, so you're saying that the motive here is? Well, what is it? Why if, if Harvey Milk and Mayor Moscone, Moscone were such devotees of Jim Jones, after Jones uh, death and the and the uh, the suicide, mass suicide, why? Why take out Harvey Milk and Mayor Moscone?
1: Because they knew the inside details. And they're a threat to the organization, in my
0: opinion. But her story just doesn't make sense. She was on the scene. She discovered the body. She tried to tend to the wounded. She said she placed her fingers in the the wounds, in the bullet holes, in order to stop the bleeding. But as you pointed out... If
1: they had two shots to the head, there's nothing there to save. There's nothing to do. So it just doesn't make any sense. Right, right. And it's just one of those things that bother me, Columbo-style... How can that be? You know, you must see right away that if that's the case, that they're deceased. So either you're lying or, you know, maybe you're in some kind of panic-driven mode or something like that. But it just doesn't make sense. And and the fact that you're devoted to the cult and you kill people the way the cult does with the coup de grace shots to the head like they did with Congressman Ryan is very disturbing. And all the people that came out of San Francisco then and still today seem to get a pass that this isn't discussed, it isn't a topic of conversation anywhere, anytime, even though these people are ascending to positions of great power. And when you look at the Democratic Party, it looks like and acts like a cult. No one can have a contrary opinion. Whoever decides whatever is decided, that's just the way it is. And you're not entitled to any other thought process at all. I was supposed to interview another guest on Power Hour, but uh, with some of the political crises in the United States that got bumped up. But, you know, this chap was a lifelong liberal and he started to see the light that there are inconsistencies in their belief systems. And one of his lifelong friends phoned him up and said, Hey, is this true? Do you really believe this now? And he said, Yes. And the guy hangs up the phone and will have nothing to do with him anymore because you left the reservation on how we were trained and taught to think. And I would look at it as a liberation that you come to terms with a truth because it sets you free. And you start to know. Where you went wrong, and you try to do better. That's deeply disturbing that we would get into a situation which we're seeing all over the world now is that there is an opinion on something, and that's all there is to it. And no matter where you go, you can't have another opinion. And one of the things that we talk about the rights here of our Constitution, the America, our Bill of Rights. The Americans will say the same thing, and maybe people in other countries. But one thing as well is the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Article 19. You have the right to freedom of opinion and expression, to hold opinions without interference, and to seek and receive and impart information and ideas through any media, and regardless of frontiers. And we see these tech giants and media giants taking away that, that's a human rights violation. Our governments are doing the same thing too, because we have the right to movement in our countries and between countries, that's Article 13. We have the right to peaceable assembly, which could include protesting, is Article 20 so we see a determined effort by the power structures in our lands and in other in the united states as well to behave in a cultish manner to say no you don't you don't have these human rights anymore well who can say that it's fundamental it's always been
0: fundamental right and recent polling in ontario suggests about 70% this is uh, astounding and kind of distressing actually 70% of ontarians fully agree with the current um, lockdown measures, if you will. I want to get back to the murder of San Francisco Mayor George Moscone and uh, County Board Supervisor Harvey Milk, who was, has been sort of raised to the level of sainthood, that he was sort of martyred. But there is no evidence, actually, that uh, Dan White, the supposed killer, was homophobic. Uh, it, it all had to do, supposedly, with the fact that he had been fired from his position he wanted his job back. He wasn't given his job back, and then he he sought his revenge. Um, so there's no no evidence, as far as that we can tell, that that uh, the, the motive was based in, in Dan White being a, homo- a homophobic. Um, now, I want to talk about getting back to uh, Diane Feinstein, who was on the scene. Did you happen to raise that? That issue with when you interviewed Daniel Flynn, the author of Cult City.
1: No, I'll be doing that Thursday.
0: Oh, Thursday. Okay. All right. It'll be interesting to see what um, what he makes of that. Uh, but the point is that in 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 the Bay Area, and and this is the same the same era, the same milieu that gave us uh, in San Francisco the the Zodiac Killer the the um, the Symbanese Liberation Army with the, the abduction of Patty Hearst. Um, it's interesting that all of these things came out of the uh, the San Francisco Bay Area during this time. Um, Rosalind Carter, she was summoned uh, to see Jim Jones. And uh, I, I want to ask you about that, pick up on that point when we come back. We're up against a break here. George Freund stays with us. Conspiracy Cafe, conspiracy-cafe.com, Power Hour and Nation, award-winning blog writer. will uh, continue to talk about Jim Jones, the People's Temple, and the Democratic Party right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Let's just uh, talk a little bit about Rosalind Carter. Now, this, I believe, was before Jimmy Carter was elected president. She was campaigning along with the vice presidential uh, nominee Walter Mondale when she went to see Jim Jones. Maybe there were other meetings after Carter was elected. I don't know. But what can you tell me about Rosalind Carter? apparently a big fan of Jim Jones.
1: Well, the big thing is she was visiting and he could command her appearance before him. So he went on the plane to meet her. And that's just an uncanny amount of power that a man can demand of the man who's running for president that I'm going to see your wife. And it was more an order than can I get an appointment. It had to be done on his terms under his will right away what man has that sort of power and the people that were his devotees and followers that are still in influence today should just be absolutely frightful especially when we're looking at the way the world is today which is pretty much being operated as a cult the cia was very big in mind control experiments in los angeles especially and san francisco It was just systemic back then. One author that I interviewed, Stephen Kinzer, wrote a book on Sidney Gottlieb, the CIA's poisoner-in-chief, he calls him. And they had houses where they did the most extreme interrogation and entrapments. One was in New York City, one was in Miami, and I believe the third was in San Francisco. And a former DEA agent, George Hunter White, ran that operation and for some fate of luck because he was contracted to the cia his personal records were donated to his alma mater and they were recovered there by the author and his letter to Sidney gottlieb of the cia was very very revealing you know he just says fun 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 where can a red-blooded american boy lie cheat torture and kill you know for the government and get paid for it He was quite open about what he had to say. These were very dark times back then where drugs were being introduced into people, politicians, and anyone of influence, the LSD, of course, to mollify them and get control of them and trap them in sexual liaisons so that they could have future blackmail potential over people. It was a very, very ruthless era. There was nothing sugar and spice about this at all. We are just so naive to think that it can happen and to give people such as that power over us.
0: How do you suppose Jim Jones, because he was in California in these circles, having this influence for over a decade. He arrived there in the 1960s, I believe, and had insinuated himself into the party machine. How is it, as charismatic as he was, as sociopathic as he was, but how was he able... To remain undetected, why didn't anyone see that this was an absolute madman in their midst? Or didn't they want to see it?
1: Well, when you're in a company of mad people, another one doesn't make any difference, more or less. I came across another book. I don't have a copy. It's very expensive and very rare, it appears, even in paperback. It's close to $100 U.S. Was Jonestown a CIA medical experiment, a review of the evidence? And I think... We pretty much know where the author's going with this. With other experiments that they were doing at the time, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. When we look at City Hall of San Francisco, it looks like the Capitol building in Washington. It's quite the similarity. Is this almost like a mind-control experiment? The, the bodies of the people from Jonestown were, you know, the memorials in Oakland. They don't, they don't want them back. So, you know, you're supposed to be victims of this, and you can't go back to your hometown. Uh, Congressman Ryan isn't really eulogized or remembered anywhere in San Francisco either. Even his spirit, his memory is persona non grata in in his own place. That's, you know, so he's another...
0: That is peculiar, peculiar. We should should spend a few moments, not a few moments, I think the the remainder uh, of the hour, talking about another high-powered democratic politician, and that's Willie Brown Jr. He's been called the real slick Willie because he loves his beautiful women. And despite being married for 25 years, a string of affairs and so forth. So the real slick Willie, Willie Brown Jr., a state assemblyman for 30 years, 15 of those years were as speaker, later, of course, became mayor of San Francisco, the first black mayor of the city. He, too, was enamored with Jim Jones. I think at one time he called him sort of another Martin Luther King.
1: Oh, that's quite correct. That, in its own right, is rather scary. But he said he's a combination of Martin Luther King Jr., Angela Davis, Albert Einstein, and Chairman Mao. And the Chairman Mao part is interesting because we have allegations that Hunter Biden and the Democratic Party are under the influence of communist China. And that's something that should send shivers
0: through our spine, too. We've got to take a quick time out. We'll come back and finish up. George Foreign stays with us as we continue to discuss Jim Jones, the People's Temple, and the Democratic machine in California. Back with more in a moment. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarant. Welcome back. I'm trying to remember in the uh, the Harvey Milk uh, movie and Sean Penn played Harvey Milk. Uh, there was no mention of Harvey Milk's connection with Jim Jones. Uh, that's kind of been removed from the public record. Um, we were talking about Willie Brown, however, 30 years a uh, an assemblyman in California, 15 as speaker, then later became the first Black mayor of San Francisco. He was 60. Kamala Harris was 29 and he was married but separated when they had their affair in the mid 90s, 31 years his uh, junior. Uh, that's, you know, that that's fine. But uh, he really I mean, to what extent did he did he um, assist in in her career? I, I know that he appointed her to a couple of appeals boards, the uh, the unemployment appeals insurance appeals board. I think the California Medical Assistance Commission, both very lucrative uh, positions. I think she made something like four hundred thousand dollars with those two jobs in the course of a couple of years. Very high powerful or high paying jobs. Um, And uh, so, is it fair to call Willie Brown Jr. Kamala Harris's mentor?
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. The connection with this cult is so dangerous. The fact that it is so heavily entrenched. Camilla Harris's husband works for a law firm that deals with something like 140 Chinese companies. And they say in the you know, material that I have, like she would never get a security clearance because of these allegations in her past. And yet, that doesn't apply if you're elected, so you'll just be, you know, perhaps one day the commander-in-chief with control to the launch codes. And you can't even get a security clearance. They wouldn't let her sweep the floor if you were trying to apply as in any other position. This okay, is- now,
0: I'm not, you know, I'm no fan of Kamala Harris, uh, particularly her, her policies, uh, I think she, you know she was. She demonstrated that she was a, a failed candidate. She had to pull out of the Democratic uh, nomination because she simply wasn't gaining any traction, not even in her home state of California. And she's taken a great deal of uh, flack from uh, African American community in the United States because she withheld exculpatory evidence. For some people that were on death row, they they had to force her to release that information. Otherwise, these innocent people would have been executed um, or at least spent the rest of their lives in jail. Um, so, there, you know, the Lord knows there's a lot of a lot of issues that we could discuss in terms of Kamala Harris. She's also been described as the most um, radical uh, senator, maybe even more radical than than Bernie Sanders. But is it fair to suggest that just because Willie Brown Jr. was a was a, a an ally and a fan of this cult leader Jim Jones, that that she would hold those same views isn't that a bit of a stretch?
1: The thing about cults is they grab you by the throat and they don't let you go. There is no um, independence, no no freedom to come to any other method of operation except what the cult determines. So you just don't get to get up and leave. You don't get to uh, to look at anything else. When you look at the, just the sadistic things that Jones did to cult members, like making four-year-old children eat their vomit, uh, sexually abusing straight male members of the cult, and then pulling their pants down to show their anatomy to other people and such like that, it, it You know, it's the low of the low. Using the Bible pages for toilet paper to demean Christians, you know, real Christians, starving people. It's it's a very nasty business. I find it hard to believe that you would spend time in company with anyone who was in company like that, if you had any moral standing or sway. If you were under the sway of the cult. Well, that's a completely different thing. The ideal win for China would be to get someone in the White House that is one of their agents. That is the art of war. You could fight a war, win the war, without even firing any weapons. Because when the time comes that even there was a fight, the person you put in there will not respond to stimulus like any other leader would and then you just own them. And it's a brilliant application of the art of war. And I look at that as we, the way we are, have been defeated. As I tried to explain at the beginning, and I'm glad I still have my little note here, Yuri Besmanov, the KGB defector, telling you what the last stage of a communist takeover is. And you hear this word all the time, but it has no meaning to you normalization. So now you have a new normal where everything's turned upside down. That's normal because we own you now. And you know you're in the cult because we can't allow you to see your family anymore. So you have to bend to our wishes and our rules. And how far has this infiltration gone? To news media? Social media? Politicians, I've only heard Jason Kenney say that he's not going to do the Build Back Better Great Reset. But world leaders all over are. Have they infiltrated that far? And if they have, it's almost like game over for us, because we're on the receiving end of what's coming. And what's coming, I describe as a genocide. We're in the beginning steps. If I was in the 1930s and I shut out a thriving middle class and boarded up their shops so that no one could shop there and then charged people fines or jail for trying to violate those orders, we would see the beginnings of the Holocaust. Instead of having a disease, they had a religion, so we had uh, a tracking app. It was called the Yellow Star. And we take away and deprive groups of their civil rights slowly at first, but it's like the boiling frog. It just gets a little more, a little more, a little more. And I have that European background too, Polish-German. I promised my grandfather on his deathbed never again. And I'm seeing this all start to happen again, that a majority can denigrate a minority and wish them harm, and that's okay. The minority would just be people who are not going along with the dictates of the mind control program. And where will that end? And I don't think it will end well. Because by the time we realize how deep the hook has been put into us, it'll be far too late. And we won't be able to get it out. Because there'll be a mass madness upon us. And the
0: injection. Can you leave with us a little positive news, <laughs> George? Well, what,
1: what... The positive news, Richard, is if I told you that when you leave tonight you're going to slip and fall down the stairs and then you take the elevator, it's okay. If Jimmy Jones is getting his revenge, what's the Kool-Aid? How about the injection? We can't have any cure that works. We're just being led to a result where we have to take this injection. And many experts say and one is Dr. Gold, who was at one of the big protests, after the second injection, you become susceptible to getting COVID, and it will kill you. A former Russian doctor, uh, his name was Igor Shepard, I guess he changed his name, but he works for a state health department. He, he worked for Russian bioscience, and he said this alleged vaccine, this injection, was created as a biological weapon to kill our first responders who are the first on the list so that we kill well, the Well yeah we have to be careful about
0: it. that's one one first. person's opinion but let me let me ask you just for a little bit of uh, optimism here as we as we say goodnight what what do you see uh, happening in the next 6 months is there any is there any positive uh, news here
1: Well the positive news is the pushback because as we all start to become aware of what's going on and seeing how it's being used, and understanding that, you know, that was one of the courses I signed up for as a peace officer a long time too was cults. It was just oh wow, well, I get out of work for a couple of days, I'll take this course, and I had no idea that, you know, it's going to come back and be something that's in my pocket close by today, and I just see all the things happening as we are in this giant Jonestown, and we're being scared frightened intimidated and coerced into going along and sooner or later we just have to say stop enough is enough because some of our leaders just may be as they call them useful idiots that they've been
0: terrorized oh there's a lot of that That's that's to be sure these are not our brightest and best running the show that's to be sure george how do we listen to you
1: PowerOurNation.com Thursday and uh, in time with your friend Steve I will probably be doing things myself to post on his replacement for YouTube as he gets his servers in some rare country somewhere where basic human rights are allowed. And I would strongly right. recommend you watch a little snippet from Papillon as you're being greeted to go into reclusion where they break you down and you see exactly what's happening to us.
0: Conspiracy-cafe.com. George, thank you so much. Good night. Good night. My thanks to Carlos and Ryan back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.